0: Today's Good News Friday episode is brought to you by United Way, Greater Victoria. Come on
1: through. Please, I hope that they've remembered. Aha!
0: Uh-huh. I'm off the door. Hi-da! hi Oh, my goodness! Ah, it's so good well. to see you guys. Oh, it's so beautiful, Jenny. It? Oh, it's a great space. Oh, are you,
1: overwhelmed? No, oh, good. Yeah. We went Overwhelm. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I'm just so pleased with this, Jennifer. You know, it's fun.
0: Light to it, but still trauma informed colors. My name is Jackie Lamport. Today is Friday, February 19th. Welcome to the Good News Friday edition of the Capital Daily Podcast. Traumatic experiences can happen at any stage in life. Unfortunately, to many, trauma occurs early on in childhood development. In these cases, it's crucial to have proper support to set those affected on a successful path as their life continues. That's why trauma-informed childcare centers can be so important. And Victoria is welcoming one of the first in the country. United Way Greater Victoria is working in partnership with Family Services of Greater Victoria and the Victoria Immigrant and Refugee Center Society to bring the Little Phoenix Daycare Center to life.
1: So in here we'll have the cribs for the the little guys. And look at our look at our sconces. Oh wow with the giraffes. Are they
0: cute? Little Phoenix will provide a trauma-informed care space for children who have experienced trauma ranging from family violence, sexual, psychological, physical and emotional abuse, and traumatizing experiences such as living in a refugee camp. The space will have trauma counselors, art therapists, and other childhood experts supporting the children. But to be trauma-informed, the center is looking at more than just having counselors available. The physical design of the space, the colors, the artwork, all impact a child's experience. Little Phoenix is nearing completion, and I was lucky enough to be invited along by United Way Greater Victoria as they saw the space for the first time in its near final state. Jane Lee is the Executive Director of Family Services of Greater Victoria. After the tour, I spoke with her in what is soon to be a nap room to learn more about the project and what makes a trauma-informed care center. And just before we get to that, today's Good News podcast episode is brought to you by United Way Greater Victoria. When you invest in United Way, you are investing in our community. United Way works to bring hope and possibility to those struggling in neighborhoods throughout the Capital Regional District. But it can't be done alone. Show your love today by making a donation at uwgv.ca. That's uwgv.ca. So uh, let's start with the, what a trauma informed childcare program is. And you say that's the first in Canada, first in North America, correct?
1: It's the first of its kind. So there are a number of, there are other daycares that refer to themselves as trauma informed. When we take a look at, The wraparound services that we offer, the kind of environment that we're offering, how it's being put together, um, the uh, former partnership that we have with University of Victoria Child and Youth Care School, that really makes it one of the first of its kind in Canada. Um, And it's an environment in which um, what we've done is we've taken a look at the best way to provide support and intervention to children who've come from backgrounds of trauma. And the trauma can be from um, domestic violence, it can be from sexual, emotional, physical abuse, Uh, it can come from poverty, it can come from a refugee immigrant um, experience, it can come from a natural disaster experience. And so what we want to do is be able to create an environment in which those particular needs are identified and addressed. And to work with children, not only in terms of just the children as individuals, but also expand the programs and services so that we can include the families as well.
0: Awesome. And how do you choose the, the kids that are involved?
1: Uh, we'll be getting referrals from uh, some other partner agencies and there'll be an assessment piece um, for, of course, the little ones, the infants to toddlers pre-verbal it'll be reporting from the parents as to what the the child's experience has been. And um, we'll have children who have come from that background. And then we'll also have children who are neighborhood kids and um, who, who don't come who's for children who, who have not come from that environment. So there's a nice mixture. And what we're hoping will come of that is to, um, to breed acceptance, to breed tolerance, um, to, to, have the environment that we're creating inform best practices Mm -hmm. and inform how best we move forward in terms of not only individual services and assessment and intervention for the individual, but as I said earlier, just for the parents, but also for the broader community as well.
0: I know the funding uh, for this is a large part of it came from um, a grant from the ministry Uh, was it for children and family development? What's the funding like going forward and how are you guys going to be managing that?
1: Well, what's interesting with the funding is that uh, once the building is uh, finished and we're actually open as a daycare, the whole um, approach and belief behind the Social Innovation Center was to create a profit for non, or a hub for nonprofits, a community hub, uh, of which the, um, the daycare, Little Phoenix Daycare, is going to be run as a social enterprise. So once the, um, you know, the fixed costs have been fit paid and the salaries have been paid and those kind of things, then whatever is left over go, comes back into the social innovation center. And once the mortgage is paid off on the building, um, those monies um, will go back into programs and services that are run by the respective nonprofit agencies.
0: Awesome. Um, is there a plan to expand this or bring it to different communities?
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs> uh,
0: when the United Way first did their, for
1: their media release, uh, I think probably in November now, I, I recall, uh, we started to get calls from across the country. Uh, wow. We've done some podcasts. Um, and in, you know inquiries from professionals um, um other people who want to run daycares universities you've uh, already taken on in some calls from other faculties is my understanding wow. like how did you do this like what are what's the research component what do you hope to find as a result of the research how will the research inform the environment and what we do in terms of programs and services so we're certainly hoping um that other uh agencies and other organizations um not for profit for profit could certainly contact us and say you know what did you do? How did you do it? Would you do it again? What would you do differently? And, and actually be a source of real information uh, for other agencies and organizations that might be interested in, in creating the same kind of environment for their communities.
0: And what makes uh, a like a trauma center uh, focus different from a regular daycare?
1: Well, that's a great question, and that's actually a, a question that we get a lot. Um, what we want to take a look at is to create an environment which is non-triggering. Okay. So everything um, that we you're looking at today, the 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 color, it, the color palette is it, is trauma informed, very um, soft pastel colors, no primary colors like mm-hmm. you would find in a typical daycare, the reds and the blues and the greens and the yellows. Yeah. Here you find the mauves and the light greens and the light blues. So colors that are very, very calming, um, colors that the research has indicated are in fact very, very calming. And then everything from the lighting is informed, uh, the textures, uh, the sound, all of those kinds of things uh, very much are looked at through a trauma-informed lens. So that when the children come in, not only the children come into the environment, but also their parents who <laughs> themselves may have been yeah. exposed to trauma as you come into the space, and I think I saw that when, when you all came into the space this afternoon, it's just a very lovely, I mean, clearly quiet because there aren't any kids yeah. right now, <laughs> but really apart from the, you know, those things I mentioned, color palette, sound, lighting, those kind essentially it looks like any other daycare and it will look like any other daycare, but we need to be able to take a look at it from you know, is this an environment that that might trigger a child? Because if it is, then that's not a color, that's not a texture, that's not a lighting quality that we want in that space.
0: Yeah. And I guess that that would also translate to the programs that are going to be running here? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll have, um, there'll be uh, trauma, for, um, trauma counselors available, art therapists available, and they're all in-house. In wow, so okay. um, these services will be provided by therapists at Verks and also therapists at Family Services of Greater Victoria. Wow. That's incredible.
0: Uh, so how many children are you
1: uh, expecting to have? We will be licensed for up to seven infant toddlers. And then uh, up to 24 three to five-year-olds, so a total of 31
0: kids in the space. And is that uh, a daily, like, Monday to Friday? Yeah, Monday to here? Friday, yeah. Uh, I
1: haven't quite confirmed the hours, but, you know, probably kind of that 7.30 to 8 o'clock in the morning drop-off and 5, 5.30 pick-up, kind of fairly standard hours, and um yeah. And so we've already started to get some inquiries from people who actually live in the North Park area and saying, oh, there's a daycare being built down the street. That's great. So we're starting to take some calls. We think that after this interview and the work that United Way is doing in terms of an update on the construction process, mm-hmm. that we'll certainly um, be getting more calls. And we certainly hope to get more calls as yeah.
0: well. And when is this officially open?
1: We're looking at the beginning of the summer. Okay, um, That would be barring any unforeseen delays um but we're on track so far and uh, we're hoping to have it open by early summer
0: awesome and what's what's your motivation for the project
1: well, I've been a I've been a therapist um, working with children and families for 25 years now, wow. and one of the things that we know has been lacking have been services particularly targeted for um, children mm-hmm. who have come from that background. In, in all honesty, preverbal children as well. Uh, family services for the uh, you know the youngest children we work with in play therapy and expressive art therapies is four, but for the children who are preverbal, um, you know all all we can do is look to see what kind of behaviors they're exhibiting, listen to the parents, you know, what, what, are the, what are the concerns that the parents have for the behaviors of the children because they're not able to articulate how they feel, they're just demonstrating Yeah. It. So mm-hmm. we wanted to be able to create a space in which these kinds of behaviors can be caught early on and the earlier the behavior can be identified, the earlier you can create an intervention and the better the outcomes these children have as well as outcomes from their families as well.
0: How important is it to address trauma at such an early age?
1: It's incredibly important. Uh, certainly, the research would indicate that the earlier the intervention, the better these children tend to do, not only in terms of their relationships with um, just how they feel about themselves, but in terms of their peer relationships, and yeah. certainly as they get older, um, intimate relationships and the choices they make. And we know that um, the earlier the intervention as well, the less likely the children are to um, you know, go down a path that's very, very harmful, not only in terms of self-destruction, but in terms of uh, what goes on in to their own families and within the community.
0: Is there going to be resources for the parents as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we are uh, working on um, creating parent groups. Mm-hmm. So we're working on they're doing the research and the design and, and, and what will be the facilitation of parent support groups. And what I would really like to see also is to create a, um, a, a co Therapist, um, behavior interventionist team that could go into the family's homes and do home visits, so we can really get a sense of what's going on because of the behaviors that a child will demonstrate in this particular environment, and some which we'll see, which will be similar or exactly the same as what there is going on at home. But it also gives us a chance um, with two professionals to go into the home and you know look at you know how is how are meal times handled, how are, how is discipline handled, uh, what is the what is the home environment like, because there may be behaviors that the child only exhibits within the family environment. So from a therapeutic perspective, the more we can understand about the child and the family dynamic, the more we're going to be able to tailor our intervention to the child but also then take a look at programs and services to support the to support the the, the parents and in some cases grandparents as well.
0: Is the government involved in, in watching the progress and the research that's going to be coming out?
1: Well we got funding from the government yeah. and then of course we're very involved with licensing as well and the primary um, research area will be from UVic. Okay. Uh, we'll likely be filling out reports and progress reports as we have in terms of the construction all the way along to let them know where, where we are in the project but also but. Um, that formal uh, agreement with Uvic, um, most people will likely be contacting Uvic to uh, have them provide them with the data to to inform their own programs. If in fact they're interested in creating their own daycare environments, so with the trauma informed piece, we're doing what we can to to address the needs. um, learn ourselves as we go along. Um, but we really want to make sure that the programs and services are in place for, for the little ones, um, and their families and, and, which at the end of the day will, um, absolutely have a enormously positive impact impact on the broader community
0: yeah this is great I really hope that this expands because this it seems like a really needed thing you know like that. it's a great there.
1: model and what we're hoping is that people will contact us and say you know how did you do it you know this is the space we have or this is the space we're looking at what are the do's what are the don'ts what would you do again what would you not do again you know what 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 worked what didn't and if we can be if we can create that Almost like a pilot project, if you will, from which we ourselves will continue to learn and and then share that information. You know, make it a collaborative process. Uh, I would like to see these right across Canada. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, your interest. And
0: in today's Capital Daily News Review. Victoria City Council has approved adding an additional nearly $76,000 to Victoria Police's budget to support a regular police presence at encampments. Chief Delmanic told council on Thursday that bylaw officers have been threatened and chased and have since stopped visiting some parks when not accompanied by police. Just yesterday morning, a man wielding a shovel at a bylaw officer was arrested at Cecilia Ravine Park. And Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club is facing eviction after their landlord was pressured by the government. The BC Ministry of Public Safety and the Solicitor General threatened possible fines or jail time if the landlord didn't end the club's lease. Commercial cannabis producers in Canada require a federal license top right, which VCBC does not have. The club has been working with all levels of government to get an exemption to the cannabis regulations, but have not been successful. The club is holding daily protests outside the Ministry of Health Building. For more stories like this in your inbox every day, you can subscribe to the Capital Daily News Review at CapitalDaily.ca. And to get more of your Good News Friday content, you can subscribe to the Good Newsletter, also at CapitalDaily.ca. Thanks for joining today's episode of the Good News Friday podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. We post new shows every Monday to Friday. My name is Jackie Lamport. This is the Capital Daily Podcast. Talk to you Monday.